0: Hey
1: guys, this is Craig Hostetler and I want to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience Man. Thanks for hanging out with me uh, on the podcast. It is... A beautiful summer evening, right? It is just this beautiful southern summer evening. Maybe you can hear the crickets in the background, right? There's this really great soft warm breeze blowing. I'm next to a magnolia tree and there's this big, beautiful, almost full, not, not quite, but almost full, um, moon way up in the sky. And I'm just here in the hum. I, I, I'm here in the aweness of it all, the blown away-ness of a conversation that I had this week with Bishop Carlton Pearson. Um, so I was able to have this conversation this week with Carlton Pearson, and I was joined by my uh, very, very, very good friend, Uh, John Scott. And so we just kind of had this conversation. And um, if if you're you're not familiar with who Bishop Carlton Pearson is, probably one of the best ways to get to know his story is to watch this really good movie uh, called Come Sunday. It was on Netflix for the longest time. It may still be there, but it's a great movie about some of the events that unfolded in his life, uh, and it's a very good film. It's a professional film. It's not like, you know, like if you watch some of these, uh, these Christian movies, uh, I won't mention any names, but you, you know, they're just so cheesy and, and, and th- that's not what this is. This is a professional movie and it's a great way to get to know uh, Carlton Pearson and the things that he went through. But but uh, Bishop Pearson was this, one of the biggest megachurch pastors, right, it, televangelists, um. just this real big personality, well-known personality. And then Bishop Pearson had this revelation that he called the gospel of inclusion, um, that everyone goes to heaven. Now, some would say that that cost him his ministry, that, that, that he lost everything because of that. Uh, but to talk with Carlton Pearson, that is not at all. The way that he feels about it. So it's a great conversation, man. I'm really happy to be able to share it with you. Uh, a couple of things before we jump into that. Um, some other ways that you could kind of get to know Bishop Pearson is bishopcarltonpearson.com, right? That's his. Uh, that's his website. Of course, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. He's on all of those and uh, catch up with him there. I think you're really going to love this guy. You know, one of the interesting things um, with with some of these people that I interview is you never know exactly what you're going to get because some of them, uh, th- th- they've all been great, but some of them, when the interview's over, they're out, they're done, they're gone, right? Um, and then you have these beautiful, sweet souls who just i don 't know there's something in them that they want to leave a part of their peace and their wisdom with you and you know after we shut the uh the tape off as it were <laughs> uh, after we shut the recorder off, uh, Carlton Pearson talked to john and and I we had a conversation for another good fifteen, maybe twenty minutes and um, just such a beautiful soul man, such a pleasant and loving, um, spirit about him. It was, it was really nice, dude. And, and, and I really, yeah, I I appreciated it. So without, without a whole lot more of me, um, let's jump into this conversation. Uh, guys, if you're not following me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, go and do that. I could, uh, I, I, I want you to do that. I want you to connect with me on there and please share the podcast on your stuff. As as mentioned in almost everything that I do, I don't do any advertising. I don't even do a lot of self-promotion. Uh, so anything that you could do to, to get the word out there, you expand my listener base. So anything you could do, man, that would be huge. All right, guys, let's jump into this conversation. I think you're going to dig it. I think you're going to love it with John Scott, my very good friend, John Scott, uh, and my very old friend, John Scott and, uh, the legendary Bishop Carlton Pierce. Hey guys, this is Craig Hostetler and I want to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this particular podcast because I have with me, um, uh, an old standby, John Scott. How you doing, John?
2: Well, I don't know if I'm old, but I am a standby.
1: <laughs> you, you're getting there. You're close enough. You're close enough. <laughs> and uh, he and I today are talking to um, somebody that I admire uh, uh, quite a lot and uh, have enjoyed watching really just, um, I guess, the evolution of his faith. Uh, welcome to the program bishop carlton pearson thanks for being here sir
0: pleasure to be here sir and to meet you glad that you're doing what you're doing and thinking like you're thinking and expanding like you're expanding and i hope your audience is doing the same thing i'm sure they are
1: yeah you know and and i think that that's a good place to start i'll, I'll give you just a, a real quick summary of my own life and where i'm at today uh okay. bishop i i um uh, grew up in a very you know the the Bible belt, and then became ordained um, in the apostolic church oneness pentecostal uh, later left that and was credentialed and pastored in assemblies of God church for oh. quite a while so we were my wife and I were in ministry for almost twenty years, and then um, we left the whole organized religion entirely. And begin searching, and, and and so that's really where I'm at now. Is in the process of expanding, and in the process of I, I guess evolving uh, in my own faith. I've really gotten into a lot of the Eastern things, like the Tao and Buddhism. Uh, but it you know, it's a it's a the the thing that began my initial um, I, I guess departure. Uh, was the, the concept of hell, which you've dealt with extensively. So I had to leave that behind. But here I am now, this evolving individual. I still love Jesus. Um, but you know, there's not a lot of, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of firm foundation at that, at this point. Did you go through some of that in your, in your process?
0: The Jesus part, um, has is recent and it's the most volatile of any transition of thought in theology, um, because Jesus appears to be a, a different God or a better God than the other God. Uh, it's something idolatrous about it, and if you don't say he's he's God, then you greatly offend the evangelical community. And when you brought up and born in and. Really, the three of us and others are dealing with at least 2,000 years of entrenched indoctrination of millions of people, nearly a billion. And so, in fact, actually over a billion. So it's very courageous to step away and say, is God definable or even describable? We believe that God can be experienced, but not necessarily known the way we Pentecostals, and we are the extreme aspect of christian protestantism we believe in miracles and deliverance and demons and angels and manifestations and prophecies and all that kind of so we're so extreme in our belief and we have experienced those who genuinely were baptized and other Ghost have experienced a kind of a transcendence that we can't deny and jesus has been the center central focus of all that so questioning the divinity of jesus uh, is, is more, <laughs> uh, anti, as it was more sacrilegious and more volatile and defense, offensive to traditionalists than anybody else. Uh, church, church hurt and, uh, creepy, crappy, crazy thinking, uh, we can handle that. We can, we can d- distance our and detach ourselves from it. Uh, if, if there's no hell, people think then what did Jesus for? Do we need Jesus to protect us from God? Is the question I asked. And I remember I started asking that question about 15 years ago, almost 20. Do we need Jesus to protect us from God? Or to save us from God? uh, Or to rescue us from God? Now maybe to rescue us from religion. So I say Jesus didn't come to protect us from God, but to reconnect us to God in consciousness more than religion and to give us a, an open, free, imaginative experience and expression of our human divinity, of our uh, connecting our humanity to our divinity and feeling secure about that without the religious dogma and a lot of the religious dogmas that make, that are fear-based. So it's a constant evolution. And I've been, in I, I majored in biblical literature, English Bible, my minor was theology, God logic and historical studies so the more you do the history and do the research you realize that the quote-unquote greatest story ever told may just be the greatest story ever sold and that we all bought it and bought into it and now we're having a little buyer's revenge uh, remorse we are thinking hey i don't know this ain't working right you know i it doesn't even sound right anymore it doesn't taste the same it doesn't feel the same maybe to use our typical language our old language the holy ghost is moving me to expand mm. <laughs> so uh you know having been ensconced in the movement hanging out with the oral roberts and the Catherine coleman's and the tbn and tptl and uh, you know pat roberts that was so ensconced in that world for meetings. I used to say, God, why me? Why don't you use somebody more solid, more believable, more authoritative? Why me? I'm at the top of my game. Use somebody else. I'll follow them, but don't make me the culprit. Mm-hmm. And then I had to think about how I was raised. And I think the three of us, with our with our classical Pentecostal roots, if you really stop and think about it, Craig, they inform our expanded consciousness because we've had some kind of ethereal, uh, I call it utterly because when Jesus says to Nicodemus after Nicodemus comes at him and says you know master you you must be a teacher sent from God because nobody could do these miracles except God be with him and then Jesus responds and says hmm you you must be born again you must have had some kind of awakening and he goes well I don't know what you're talking about born again the, gr- the Greek word for again is the is the word anothan, where we get the English word another, an other, or ether, ethereal? You must have had some kind of ethereal, esoteric, transcendent, transformational experience, or you wouldn't notice my divinity, which reminds you of yours. Now, because we classical Pentecostals, and I say this a little bit with bias, uh, we, the ones who've had a genuine experience, a conversional trans. Information, because we can't doubt that, but we do doubt the extra stuff that doesn't really relate to our ethereal, transcendent experiences and expression. And that's where the big question mark comes. So then you you reevaluate your relationship with God, and you say, Do I do I have faith in God or faith in my fears of God? because I do fear God I don't
1: anymore but I did for years yeah I mean that was that's a a big part of the Christian uh, you know conversation really is being afraid of God and and, you know much of what you did was based on you didn't want God to be angry and that kind of thing and and so through time I started to feel like um, the the older I got the, the more I realized how hard it is just to be a human and uh you know really at the end of this if you didn't figure it out then you know you're you're going to burn in hell forever i mean that just that's not love to me right yeah right. so so now you you don't deny or 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 you still affirm the uh experiences um that you had within the your your pentecostal setting
0: yeah i would have left i possibly would have left christianity or the church a lot earlier if i had not Had a more of a Pentecostal Because Pentecostal thing is more experiential It's not just uh, Dogma and and doctrine And liturgy or Literal interpretation of scripture You had to get filled with the Holy Ghost And when I did at around Seven or eight years old It was so real to me That part I never have been able to separate Myself from I know that part is real But I, I always worried about the the extra stuff, the baggage, and the luggage—the stuff I've been lugging along—that didn't give me permission to love other people, to respect other people, to include other people. I had to come ye out from among them and be separate. Love not the world nor the things of the world, for he who loves the world is not a friend of God, and is an enemy of God, and all that. And then yet the scripture says, "For God so loved the world." And I didn't know what you wanted to do. Do what God <laughs> did, or, or do what the Word said to. You. So um, and of course then we amplified and glorified and deified the word almost to the point of idolatry the scriptures mm-hmm. Jesus said search the scriptures and then you think you have eternal life you search them because you think but yet you deny me you you don't know me in the full expression of who I am so I'm still sorting through all of it Greg, and, but I I feel like um, that I have Detached myself From a lot of the superficial Psychosis The stupidity and the mental Illness and religion Is a kind of mental illness anyway It's uh There's a lot of psychosis and you lose touch with Reality and you start making up stuff
1: Mm.
0: And I saw I'm four generations classical Pentecostal Preacher dude I've seen some Crazy stuff (laughs) (laughs) In church and out of church and even in my conversations with Earl Roberts, who was the, sort of like the, the Pope of Pentecost, he too was very bothered by some of this, the, the crazy excesses of the Pentecostal expression. He tried to bring dignity, elegance, and eloquence to it. I called it making Pentecost pretty with my conferences and things like that. But I still saw that there was a lot of, of, um, of mental illness, people that were really... Crazy, and we're suffering from brainwashing and from di- from cognitive dissonance, particularly among preachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, we just, but it was my life, and everybody I knew thought that way and acted that way. So, to separate from it and take a good long look back at what I had been doing, I I found there was a difference between what my soul knows and at times forgets, and what my mind believes faith versus knowledge and knowledge is experience the only thing you really know is what you've experienced the things you believe are what you're taught or told we are taught and told so much as religious people particularly extreme religious people like pentecostals and we believe all that stuff and yet we doubt it faith is for doubters when you know something you don't need faith so our religion is really we call it built on faith it's built on doubt and questions and insecurities and we've always been taught that god loves us and we believe that we're afraid not to believe it because we're certainly going to go to hell we don't believe but at the same time we don't believe god likes us or that you know parents like us or that the saints like us or that we like us we don't like ourselves so uh this is all i'm 66 years old so it's all new and i was afraid to i've been pondering it for 20 years but more radically the last 15 so i don't i don't know it all of course and i'm not absolutely solid on some things but i do know that what i was taught was not accurate Hmm.
1: yeah I don't know, you know, some of those things, and uh, John and I have talked a lot about, um, like the Tao, and, and uh, how much that piece of, you know, uh, literature means to us, and how it explains God in, in a way that I think is easier for us to understand, but it seems to me, you know, within Christianity, the foundation, and I, I guess it's not, because there's so many different denominations and things, but you have this... If you're Pentecostal, then, you know, like in the Assemblies of God, we had 16 fundamental truths, and everything rested on those truths, mm-hmm. where, you know, as you begin to expand and evolve, it doesn't feel like there's a firm, you know, foundation. It, was any of that intimidating to you as, you as you begin to evolve spiritually?
0: Yes, I had mastered, as Paul said, I was... Uh, 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 Succeeding in my The traditions of my fathers More than most of my peers I had mastered the craft And the crap of ministry Mm. I I had learned all the twists and turns I learned all the vocabulary All the language, all the colloquialisms All the habits and hobbies uh, traditions of my elders, and perfected it, and they loved me, and I loved them. But my soul became um, lean. I just, I wasn't. Uh, I've sit in my conferences, Craig, with uh, with thousands in there, the presence of God, the people of God, the prosperity of God, the blessing of God, anointed singing, anointed preaching, And be as restless as ever. For ten years, I kept thinking, what, why, why am I not? comfortable i mean this is it something in me said no it really isn't it it's mostly superficiality you're not really having a transcendent expanded growth experience here you are celebrating and cheerleading each other and you're becoming spiritually incestuous you're only seeding into yourselves Mm -hmm. you're not impacting the world we were packed but not impacted we're impacting the church But not impacting the world And so I had a lot of questions About my feelings And my thoughts I, We, You know We Pentecostals Are a feeling people We love to feel The presence of the Lord That validates everything for us But the universe Doesn't judge us Just by our feelings But by what we think About what we feel what we think about what we think about what we think about what we we think you know the scriptures are silent absolutely silent for 18 years of Jesus life from age 12 to 30 we don't know where he was we assume he may have studied the Tao we assume he may have spent time in India and he may have studied some of the Buddhist teachings and learned some of the healing sciences uh, because the Obama just doesn't say a peep about who he was hanging with Was he at ashrams? Was he studying shamanic thought? Um, Was he involved in eastern religions more than we think? Uh, Very possibly he was Because of the teachings that he brought Which is the same kind of teachings of Krishna And Mithra And Osiris And some of Zoroastria When you study the the many quote-unquote god-men Messiah-like personalities That preceded Jesus by As many as 2,000 years And 4,000 years to Egypt Uh, They were all Pretty much saying the same things And none of them were glorifying themselves But they all had disciples, they all were teachers They were supposedly Operated within the miraculous Had critical, tragic Deaths and promised to Come back and were called Sons of God or sons of The gods um, Christianity is an invented a man invented, manufactured religion. Constantine was sharp and smart
1: and he invented Christianity Incorporated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure did. <does. laughs> <laughs> there is a remarkable similarity between so many of the things in the Tao, so many of the things Buddha said, and then the words of, of Jesus. And one of the it things is- I noticed is there seems to be um well. I mean, at times he almost seems, and I'm talking about Jesus, that he's not like a great um, Jew as far as the, his religion goes. Do, do you pick that yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. Jesus.
0: Yeah. I also, i you know, I've read, of course, we've all preached, read, and believed the Beatitudes and the other sermons on the Mount. And, you know, Jesus talked about wheat and fish and sheep and love and forgiveness. He wasn't one of my favorite teachers, and I'd rather hear Miles Monroe any day. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> I don't.
2: I don't think I would have been a regular attendant of Jesus' church if he had,
0: one, except for the miracles. And he said a wicked, and adulterous generation looks for signs. Signs are supposed to follow us. We're not supposed to follow signs, according to the scripture. But he wouldn't have been one of my favorite teachers. He might have been somebody I would love to sit in, and and drink a. Uh, I don't drink beer but if I did I would have a beer with him I'd have a glass of wine with him because I do drink wine
2: I um, do just, I, I, I drink beer I would have had a beer with him <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you,
2: you. most of the most of these I know a lot of young Pentecostal preachers that sit around and, and drink beer and
0: smoke a cigar and discuss the scriptures yes and because i sat with them and um, the first beer I drank was with the pastor of a Unitarian church that I merged mine with the, the older man he's dead now but he was, he was 91 when he died so I've I've I've, I've relaxed a lot of those tensions uh, But I still think of the teachings of Jesus Which were not profound I hear more profundity in the things you're saying And Jonathan is one of my favorite thinkers uh, I think we have advanced we, we are more spiritually intelligent Jesus was, re- was wrestling with many illiterate people the poor most of my gospel was to the poor the uneducated the unrefined uh, he said the guy I've sent said, I've said to preach the gospel to the poor and the poor you'll have with you always the humble simple people he hung around with fishermen and they were professionally equi- the, the, the the fisherman profession was equivalent to truck drivers in our day rough mm-hmm. tumble rugged guys dirty hands dirty fingernails sit on their butts a lot um, they usually big bellies and beer drinkers and belchers and, but rough rugged people and uh, most of them had families that he didn't but they hung with him for almost a three year period at least two solid mm-hmm. years. and he didn't hang around with a bunch of intellectuals and scholars and academicians and uh, legalists he hung around with common people and those are the ones who were more interested in what he had to say and those were the people who were attracted to him the most, non-critically. And when I look at my audiences, and you look at yours, who do we attract? And uh, and it's nothing wrong with in- attracting intellectuals because I'm beginning to attract more of them now, thinkers. But we Pentecostals were totally involved with feeling and emotions and devotions and commotions. <laughs> A lot yes. of trouble. Mm-hmm. A lot of trauma. A lot of wounds, a lot of damaged minds uh Addicted to religion And and the fantasy or superstition of thinking That somebody as big as God actually spoke to you Or cared about you God spoke to me The Lord said this Spirit of the Lord spoke to me The Lord showed up in a dream God showed me this in a dream You know the Lord touched me Sunday Wait, hey, the Lord touched me on Sunday was nobody else happy but me but that was kind of like, because we were nobodies we were pushed, especially the black folks. we had nothing we were esteemed esteemed by many, so when we went to church, if the God or the Holy Ghost literally touched us, and we screamed or cried, or waved our hands or ran around the room, and we did it, buddy that was the only sense of value that we had Mm. Mm. We didn't have it culturally We didn't have it educationally We were nobodies Until God touched us uh, And we felt the physical presence of God And it made us cry or scream Or holler or run Or even fall on the ground and roll And some of us did mm-hmm. But God, He look how happy he is Ooh, he was happy Sunday morning The Lord touched him Well, that was like, well, y'all didn't touch me Nobody else did, y'all don't care about me But God touched me <laughs> so uh it it held us i'm talking about years of psychic um enhancements that the psychology and the logic of thought that we had as people
2: who felt god uh sustained us Mm -hmm. you know i I wanted to go back to because you know you're talking about that was the thing that sustained you i wanted to go back and tie that in bishop with when you talked about you know being pentecostal charismatic having those transcendent experiences almost sets you up to be able to embrace a yes. broader understanding as we move yes. into this new wave into the shift it's because you've already experienced the uh, ethereal the mist in the mystery so you've already kind of had those experiences that were not explanation they were experienced they were beyond the explainable yeah and it reminds me that when we connect with the unchangeable and the unexplainable mm-hmm. we now have experienced complete freedom yeah and so that holy ghost shanda randa all, i mean even changes your language even gives mm-hmm. you a language that's secret to other people which makes you feel if nothing yeah. else as if you've elevated oh um, yeah it's that yeah. kind of thing that it seems And I've been noticing this and Craig, I've mentioned this to you before in private conversations Possibly on one of your podcasts as well I'm noticing a lot of charismatic and Pentecostal people Who are starting to uh, Transcend and transform Traditional uh, religious beliefs And and yep. they're almost quicker to hear This broad and expanded universal message Than many of those, for instance Who are uh, Baptist Or who are mm-hmm. Southern uh um, Uh, dogmatic methodist and nazarene and what have you it seems that those folks who didn't have these running shouting holy ghost goosebumps uh speaking in tongues experiences are moving
0: toward this slower than those who have been charismatic well pentecostals have higher expectations Hmm. ours is a experiential religion and every service was climactic and orgasmic now we we don't just have now we just have organization with no orgasm organization <laughs> with no organism, organization with no organic movement, and so we who had some training and some exposure to the broader intellect of the planet and science, we have we have um, these little phones in our hands. We used to sing "He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got, got the whole world." Now we have the whole world in our hands, the touch of our cell phone, we've got the whole world in our hands, so we have more control, but we are, because of our curiosity, and we lean toward extremism, and along, like like Kabbalah of Judaism, and the Sufis of Islam we're, they're the Pentecostals of their movements, and we are the extremists of ours, and so we are not easily satisfied now that we've got a little education, and have come off the farms, and and the plantations, and uh, we move into the suburbs, and we've got an education, and we're on television, and we can see hundreds of stations rather than three. And we have the internet and the information highway. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that my, my Apple phone has an Apple with a bite out of it. So does my iPhone. So does my iPad. Uh, the, the, we have this bite. That we've actually eaten from the tree. <laughs> of knowledge which means science there's a science of good and a science of evil con science, is conscious when we are with knowledge con in Latin we are wrestling the three of us, what you guys are wrestling and what I am too, is the fact that we suddenly remember what we came here knowing and forgot mm-hmm and what we know is different than what we believe mm-hmm. and because we believe only what we're taught but we know what we forgot and now we are having these spiritual deja vus and saying what oh my god oh fred i i think i i knew that i I think I may have signed up. I, agree. I think I agreed to come here. And then I forgot I had that spiritual amnesia between the womb and the tomb. We go through this terrible amnesia. And then young guys like you, and I, I don't mean young in a demeaning way, but you have, you're having an awakening. And your good classical Pentecostal transcendent roots are making you commanding leaders and thinkers in this new wave. In this new wave. In this new spiritual paradigm, helping to create it and enhance it, and help invent it, and invite it, and invoke it, uh, because we already know the transcendent. It's very powerful. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's an interesting dilemma because you, you do have these almost these inherent knowings. Um, for for instance, I from a very young age. I always knew that in some way I had a commonality, a brotherhood if you will, with trees and plants and you know nature, earth. I knew that there was oh. in some way I was connected to that, but my Christian religion sort of forbid me to, you know, get in touch with that. Uh, experience yeah. that and so so now I'm still in that spot where I uh, I am expanding, I am evolving but I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say that there's not a little bit of fear left in intimidation, me. Intimidation of course. Yes
0: Well, practice doesn't just make perfect as my friend Miles says it, it makes permanent. A part of you will always doubt fear and be confused a part of you will always feel a little bit of judgment every time you drink a beer or touch a glass of wine or think a quote-unquote unholy thought even in a, a scientific thought like hugging the tree even though the scripture says the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation now this medical marijuana and the garden of wheat <laughs> um uh, the, the, those things are becoming incre- increasingly popularized and accepted, and the new thought people, the new or new age people, uh, are you know digging holes and hugging trees and loving the dirt, and they become environmentalists and ecologists, and they're loving the the land. And Jesus again talked about trees and flowers and wheat and growth and dirt and and. And uh, sheep and wolves and doves. You know, he was very much of an environmentalist, Mm -hmm. very much of a metaphysic metaphysician. He made allegories and illustrations and parables about nature and natural things. Bishop Mason, the founder of the Church of God in Christ, so that's what that's why I created the Pentecostal network of churches and movement. These are people who are deeply Pentecostal, but they've embraced metaphysics. They've gone past the physical. Into the spiritual and the mystical And the mysterious And even some of the mythical And bringing the logic of myth And the logic of God Which is theology God thought and God talk The indefinables But not the uh, unexperiencibles. We experience a tree And grass And I love water And Pisces That's the sign I was born under, That's the sign under which Jesus ministered And uh, now we're going into Aquarius Which is a a wind sign And a water sign Aqua Neptune And I like water and I like the merging depths of And and unfathomable depths of mystery And so But the the Pisces are two fish With their tails tied Pulling in opposite directions Pisces uh, Aquarius is the man Doing something feminine Which is carrying the water there It was always the woman at the well or the women at the well. But Jesus says, um, I think somewhere in Luke uh, he says to his disciples go out and when you see a man carrying a pitcher of water, that's the night of the Passover, follow him into that house mm. which is a hint of the zodiac house of Aquarius. And that's the, the, uh, the sign of enlightenment. And we're mm. in that day, the same day that That Steve Jobs uh, who created Apple products then gets into Zen Buddhism and the last three phrases that came out of his mouth as he died is oh wow oh wow oh wow like whatever he was entering into didn't sound like it was hell (laughs) it was something wowing and awesome and here's this guy comes in Leaves us this thing that connects the whole planet, planet, uh, we have it in our hands and dies quickly of cancer and goes away, even in, in Buddhism. So, the research and what becomes increasingly obvious is God or the universe or source, force, whatever intelligence is using something, uh, and in the earth to remind us of our divinity and reconnect us to it beyond religion besides religion and in many ways before religion there's
2: god you know something that you're talking about as you were mentioning that i've actually been in a space of meditation on the idea of coming into a space in a place right now of exhaling and you know the word nirvana In Sanskrit means to blow out. And, you know, we've heard nirvana is being talked about as the Buddhist heaven and what have you. But the reason that they use the word nirvana is because heaven to them is the release of anything. It's letting go. And we've been in a state in Christianity over the last, I don't know, several hundred years of holding our breath in fear. And I feel like we're coming into a space now of nirvana, which is to exhale or to blow out. Alan Watts even said that he said probably the best way American wise to translate Nirvana would be to wipe your brow and say as if that's over, that's done, that's that's Nirvana. And so, as you were talking about that, I, I kept thinking, even to blow out. When you blow out, there's a mist that comes with it. There is a there's a it's not just air that comes out. There's also a moisture of sorts that comes from you and so that's what i was envisioning as you were talking about dad and and i'm a water guy too i mean i i get nearly obsessed with water because we're 80 percent water well 75 to 80 percent water and if we acted like water 75 to 80 percent of the time we would be wonderful human beings because water never seeks the high place it always runs to the low place Mm -hmm. it doesn't force itself on anyone or anything Yet it's the most irresistible element on the planet. And so as we come into this time, it is, we're, we're actually beginning to experience, open up to, and that's, that's another thing about Nirvana to blow out is to make space. You cannot receive a breath without giving up the previous breath. And so as I think about God breathing in the Genesis narrative, breathing into the dust, the dust, the cloud, Breathing into the dust and it becoming a living soul. This was on the exhale that that happened. Mm-hmm. So we're coming into a space of exhalation to exhale. Well, it's also X H E L L.
0: We're, we're, we're getting rid of that mm-hmm. whole, we're releasing the word nirvana also means lack of desire in, in Buddhism that you, that's, you've reached nirvana when you have no desire, which is basically the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Yeah. I shall not lack. I shall not desire, or even be denied. I have and I am everything I need. And as we exhale, that the breath, the, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, from pneumonia or pneumatic or pneumon is the Greek word for lung, breathing. And breath is moisture of the hundred thousand miles of arteries we have in us. And the earth's surface is 70% water. We are 80% water at birth. Our brain remains 80% water. We begin to be 50 and 60% as adults, but we're full of water and thus vibrations, sounds, intonations, frequencies, and all that stuff. We're electricity. And so uh, I think the new way and or religion, I don't even like the term because a religion the word actually means bondage, mm-hmm. but the new spirituality is accessing, uh, our ethereal part, our scientific part, our knowing part, our moist, watery, uh, the whole word semen, uh, comes from, uh, the Greek mythology of, of, of Gaia killing whoever she killed and is cutting his balls off and, and the blood <laughs> drops down into the sea and they, they saw those, those, uh, the, the little white ripples as semen and the Hebrew word for for anointing or oil is shemen which is semen, or the garden of gethsemenades mm. and the and the that means olive press or and of course the seminarians and the seminaries and the inseminations. Some of them are artificial inseminations, but it has a lot to do with fertility and with the earth and with growth and with seed sowing. Reaping, harvesting—we're uh, really one with with a flower and a tree and nature, as Craig uh, alluded to, and as we're seeing, moisture seventy percent of the Earth's surface is water. So, water and roots and waves and leaves and—I mean, this is the new way of the millennial generation and these kids who don't have so much to to uh, uh, layers of. Crap to to take off of them. They mm-hmm. they have an innocence that's pure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't make that. I'm trying. I watch my my colleagues. We can't get these kids to get it. They they just don't relate to the scriptures the way we do. We I, we three preachers. So there's hardly a thought we have that does not relate to scripture. We always put on the scripture. They're trying to confirm everything by the word. They just. Mm-hmm. We, we feel slightly guilty as much as we think we're past it. I do. I wrestle. If I can't find it in the Bible, it can't be right. You know, <laughs> we, we need that, but they don't. But we can find it. I can't find anything that I'm experiencing now that's not scripturally based. Because in the Bible, you can find something to support any sin out there mm-hmm. or any ideology out there. And any revelation. So it's it's a fun book. I don't take it I do take it seriously, I just don't take it literally.
1: Yeah, so anyway. my uh my wife is also a Pisces, uh, by the way, so I, I live oh. with your type. <laughs> so, all right, all right. And uh but uh. she is um she has really gotten into which you brought up a little bit earlier, she's really gotten into astrology and I'm not talking about Sunday morning astrology. I mean, real astrology. And she's yeah. gotten into tarot cards, which are amazing. Um, yeah. So, so do, do you think um, you know, Eckhart Tolle said something. He said uh, that he was being asked about Jesus and um, why he quoted Jesus so much. And he basically said, I think Jesus is, is a wonderful teacher. And who's really understood what he's had to say except for maybe a couple Buddhists, right? <laughs> so, so, so do you see a cohesiveness really with, with, with all kinds of faith, different faiths where they really are, they blend and, and they're teaching very similar principles? The mystics do.
0: Okay. The, the mystics are always the heretics. The mystics are always the shaman or the medicine men who are into astrology and they're into the leaves of the trees. Uh, they usually take some kind of conscious altering, uh, mushroom or peyote. I think John, uh, the Revelator was on the island of Patmos snorting something because what are you <laughs> seeing? Seven headed, seven headed horses. And, you know, all that stuff. Flying Jesus on a white horse flying with a sword and all that stuff. So he was a little bit tipsy and but he wrote that and the the we developed the man who developed the alphabets was on some kind of drug. Some of the greatest songs that were ever, ever written were uh, written by people who were in between seasons. They they were they were in between worlds. They were having um, uh, some kind of ethereal, esoteric, transcendent moments. So I think that they, if you study the readings and the writings and the wording of a lot of the great mystics of history, all the way back to Egypt, you will find that they are all saying the same thing. The question that they all say, we're all, everybody wants to know, why are we here? They all say in general, we're here because we know something. We forgot it. I add that we forgot it. We know something. I think we've forgotten it. And so part of the reason for the journey is to reconnect with our divinity and appreciate our diversity. And we recollect or we, Jesus talked of, talked of remember, do this in remembrance of me, remembering the dismembered body, the dismembered unity, the dismembered, the fractured kinds and cults and cultures of the world. Where to unify them? The mystics always had it, they always knew it. So, uh, you know, and answer to your questions, I uh, Craig, I think yes, that the uh, I don't just call it faiths, but yeah, what's the different belief systems? The founders were usually spiritual, the followers turned it into a denomination, mm. into a structure, and they're busy trying to preserve the organization and haven't had an orgasm, even Pentecost, in years. They need some hormonal treatment and therapy. Because <laughs> even in the Pentecost, they had a miracle move of God. So, when you get older, as a male, you rest, I just had cataract surgery. CN and TN are two very valued commodities. You guys are too young. But when you get a little <laughs> older,
1: <laughs> you you think about... Uh, 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 uh,
0: uh cataracts are a result of the 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 lenses like like the um, your 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 uh, windshield collecting dust and soot and dirt and bug guts you have to clean it well they literally take the lens out and give you a new lens that is not dusty and dirty and full of soot and time and uh, but When you have the cataracts You can't see at night as well So when dark periods come into your life If you don't have a new vision You can't see as well You deal with with, uh, uh, um, uh, Bright lights Uh, They irritate you And revelation irritates you And um, uh, You get depressed And so the the church Needs cataract surgery It can't see its way through the night it freaks out when bright lights come it is depressed and depressing and so i when i went through that experience and then you, you see what they call um uh floaters after that big old things coming and going and you're slapping at gnats that aren't there and you see things you guys are getting probably too young for that you're eventually you acclimate to it but when you first have the surgery they put uh antibiotics and steroids and stuff and it's it's liquids and they Look like big old bats and things flying at you. Mine has died down because it's been about three weeks, but eventually they'll go away. But initially, when you get the new vision, uh, there's some crazy things that you see, obscurities. So, vision, and I think the church and the world needs a change of lens. Uh, we need to see differently and perceive differently and understand differently. You two, and really a few others, relatively. Our enlightened people, if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden from them who are lost, whom the God of this world, which is not a devil, it's religion, has blinded them. The God of this world is religion. That has blinded them so they don't see. And blind leading blind into a ditch. So enlightened people are not really blind, they're just blindfolded. And those of us who come into the light, especially. When you bring light into a room And somebody's been sleeping all night And the room is pitch black And you turn a bright light on The first thing they're going to say is Get that light out of my face, man Turn that light out, dude mm. It's not that the light is bad But the eye needs time to adjust Same when the alarm goes off It's loud, you're used to sleeping And you love the slumber And you generally push the snooze button The church is alarmed the Which means they are awakened but they're not aware, so they keep pushing the the snooze button and going back to sleep. So light is coming to the world. Jesus said, but men love darkness or obscurity rather than light because their deeds are evil or inaccurate, imprecise, clumsy, Clutsy sloppy, and raggedy. I call it sloppy agape, and they don't want they don't want the light. Mm-hmm. That's why we receive the resistance we do. But the light. Darkness never overcomes light It's not designed to do that Light is part of light's nature To make darkness back away You can light a slight little candle In a pitch dark room and the darkness leaves Mm -hmm.
2: And it keeps leaving and it keeps leaving And backing away So um, (laughs) But yet But yet they're both necessary And what's interesting about darkness Is that science has even said There is no such thing as pitch black dark Mm. Even in darkness, there are particles of light. Light they exist together. It's the yin and the yang. It's the day giving birth to night, and the night giving birth to day. And it's the cycle and the circle of the way things work here. You know. And as you were saying that, I was reminded that Isaiah was one in the Bible, in the in the um, Old Testament of the Christian Bible, who was very controversial with the things he had to say. How he displayed the message of being a prophet of God, a prophet of the Elohim. Um, Jesus came along And basically quoted Isaiah Saying the spirit of the Lord is upon Me or on me because he has anointed Me to proclaim good news to the poor You mentioned that a moment ago The Mm -hmm. poor or those who are simple Those who have been oppressed Because they're simple He Mm -hmm. sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners Mm -hmm. People who Are are incarcerated by their own thoughts You know um, I I remember hearing a quote one time that said "The, The worst idols in the world are not idols made of stone and wood but idols made of ideas uh, and these are the prisoners these are the prisons in which we live but i love i love the last line uh, going along with what you said a moment ago the recovery of sight to the blind, the blind uh, to set the oppressed free, yeah, free. And, and here we are at the second coming of christ you know the whole time people have been looking for the second coming of jesus which brings on crisis But we've been We have become the second coming of Christ Which relieves us Of the crisis And the crisis has been placed in our life um, Through this violent Vengeful, angry um, Very moody God That we saw experienced And again the second coming of Jesus would create a crisis Because who knows who he really is But the second coming of Christ Is experienced So it's beyond explanation and it's the thing that touches and captivates your being and you just know it. You can't explain it. You can't say that yes. theologically you're correct because you're not even looking to, to be correct or to be right anymore. You're looking for the experience that's transforming. I'm, I'm to the place in my life where I need very little theology anymore because it's just theory about what we think about God. But I want to be transformed and the way to do that is to transcend the form that someone else made me fill out.
1: Well, so I, I want to I piggyback on that because I'm still, uh, and John's heard this a thousand times, Bishop, so John will have to just be patient. <laughs> okay. I, I'm still in that place of, you know, my, my life was so theologically based. And so many of the people that I'm that, that listen to the to my podcast who are trying to evolve their lives were theologically based, and so how do you move from that mindset to a more enlightened perspective? And I guess there's some intimidation involved in that. I guess that's all part of growth. But what would your advice be? You know, what are the steps that you take in that process?
0: Well. The- both john the baptist and jesus came preaching repent the kingdom of god or heaven the higher reaches and rhythms of thought is at hand rethink you know repent of course means metanoia to change the mind to rethink reconsider first thing i ask them to do is just rethink ask yourself what do you believe why do you believe it and how do those beliefs add to Or subtract from the quality Of your life We mm. think that And then I say What's working for you In mm. your life What's not working for you mm. If you made a list of the two Which would be the longest <laughs> And then what's working On you What keeps you awake at night What's the itches you find hard To scratch and what's working as you how do you show up in the world in the relationship, in the ministry, in the pulpit on the job, in your marriage in your family, what's, what's working as you and of course what do you perceive to be working against you causing frictions in your life and all of those questions are related and the answers are related of, as to what you think about you not just what do you believe But what do you believe about Craig Mm -hmm. or Jonathan? And what does Carlton believe about Carlton? Why do you believe that about Craig? Mm -hmm. And how do those beliefs about you add to or subtract from the quality of your life? We always judge ourselves as we function and perform. I'm a son. I'm a sibling. uh, I'm a, a relative, a grandson, a godson. Of course, later I become a a husband, and a father, in between that, a minister, a pastor, an apostle—all these titles, all these roles that we have to play. When you get through it at night, which one of them goes to sleep with you? Mm-hmm. Who are you after you've had an intense or and or argument with your wife, or which you've had a tense experience on an en- on an email? It, I, every day, I'm, I'm constantly saying and, and asking you, okay, Carlton, who are you now? And when something dies. Whether it's a relationship An idea A ministry dream I always do an autopsy I don't want you to tell me That I died of cancer I want to know where the cancer came from mm-hmm. Not the symptom But the source of the death Or the source of the light Or life So I'm constantly exploring And so when I'm dealing with people Who are trying to be free But they still have either chains or umbilical cords and one is affectionate and tender and sentimental and nostalgic. I'm talking about the umbilical cord chain is slavery, Chain, and sometimes the umbilical cord becomes a chain when you're locked to a culture, a consciousness so when I denounce the bible indirectly, I'm denouncing big mama my, my grandmother and my great grandmother and my godmother and my mom. she's 90, she lives here in the house with me She keeps the television on TVN, And and Jim Baker And Jimmy Swaggart And she gets up with her bad knees And changes all the other TVs In the end of the house To Christian television Okay, so if I say some of the things I've said, I'm dealing with Thousands of years of entrenched indoctrination Cultural uh, Indoctrination Conscious indoctrinations And idolatry and superstitions So I have to deal delicately with it. But I deal better with it because I used to live in that neighborhood, in that street address. And I say this to the people who are listening. I'm not asking you to to believe what I believe. Don't believe what I'm saying. Study, investigate, and come up with your own. I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking out loud. I don't necessarily expect or even desire that you believe it. But I do desire that you hear me. Mm-hmm. and just let me sh- show the light so I share the light so it's a gradual thing timing task and taste are the three traits and 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 uh, instruments of, of change mm. yeah real truth you know all living things grow all growing things change and all change is a struggle mm. mm-hmm. so if you're alive you growing growing, you're changing. I'm, I, I told, if you see me, I, so I told the people in uh, in D.C. last weekend, I was there for There's a new documentary out titled uh, American Heritage, and they feature some of my stories. So I fly in these cities, and I do panel discussions. And on the video, my hair is darker and black and rich, and, of course, now I'm, I'm a lot grayer. So I told the people Saturday night, I said, I've finally come out of the closet, and I'm openly great. which means... <laughs> which means I ain't using just for men <laughs> uh, these guys used to ask me how do you keep your hair so rich and dark and, and light and I said well it's a secret it's a secret we men don't tell even to our wives and to our women because it's just for men
1: <laughs>
2: and a lot of them they don't even get that when I say just for men I'm telling them the answer but you hey, he's going to be around all week
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we, we do evolve, we do change, and we have to say yes to it. That I have to wear reading glasses, And it takes me a long, a little bit longer to see. You know, you sometimes you can hear it and can't feel it, sometimes you can feel it and can't hear it, and every once in a while you can do both. That don't last long. And you try to see, and you know, you need reading glasses and something for distance, and you know, something for up close. And sometimes there's a joint that aches. This is reality i don't protest it i don't contest it i flow with it and i grow with it i don't see myself as as going down i'm in a flow and i grow with the flow especially when the flow becomes a flood and it does always all this all this attention around water this the shorelines are increasing higher at least an inch a year the glaciers are melting the ice flow the hurricanes flood 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 that's moisture that's water that's the humans and water is always a metaphor for spirit Mm -hmm. in scripture and otherwise moisture mysticism the kids live in the cloud they it's like they hold their phone they look right through us into the cloud their reality is in the eye cloud I cloud, the I-Cloud, the I-Am, the Amen of the Old, they all have the same sounds and send out the same signals, cause the same syncopations and cadences as opposed to decadences, death, and the vibrations in us, and the syncopations, and the incantations, and invocations, and invitations, we're always inviting and invoking and incanting, that's what the whole idea of a chant is is, or enchantments. We don't just spell words. Words spell us. or cast spells on us. And a spell is an enchantment. The Gregorian chants, the congregational chants, the Catholic beautiful chants, and the cantors and the Jewish synagogues, all that has to do, they all have the same roots. It's a repetition. It's a beat and a sound, and a, a vibe or a vibration, and we're full of those things day and night. They actually affect the chemical structure of the body and the being, the chemistry of the soul, the chemistry of the self, the chemistry of the body. There, that's a the whole world of science that we tend to ignore. The energy and vibrations in the tree. I have lots of trees. I can, I'm looking at a big old tree right. My house is surrounded by trees and a pond and a fountain. And I love the energy that I absorb uh, when I'm sitting near the trees or on a hammock between trees. Tree and truth are, in the English language, we got our word true from tree because a tree was deeply rooted and it's reliable, Hmm. legal, trustworthy. English is an old Heinz 59 Mutt language. And it involves all the other languages, but it's a language of associations so we have these trees and truths all the trees or truths in the garden were good except the one that said any of the other ones are bad Mm -hmm. the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil God and evil duality as opposed to oneness so the, the shaman knew this stuff they understood it they communicated it and most of them died because of it or were killed or excommunicated or executed like Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a it's definitely an interesting, I think, path to once you start evolving and expanding and you know, there's there's a great and one of the things that I think you find in, in all these types of things is You know, learning, and I know it's hard for I think evangelicals to do this, but learning to trust and follow your, you know, your intuition. Uh Yeah, you might even call it the Holy Spirit if you want, but but to follow that inner guide, and that's not that's not always something that we're really, you know, evangelicals are really good at.
0: Well, we believe in prophecy and discernment. We just use different language. We are all clairvoyant, which means. Clear visions. The clear vision is what you know. The cloudy vision is what you doubt or have faith for. Faith is built around doubt. It's the only time you need it. But the clairvoyant or the intuitive or the sixth sense of the five senses of sight and touch and taste and ear and all that. The the sixth sense we all have we are natural intuitives, but we resist and sometimes, actually, resent that clarity because it shows you the holes and the inaccuracies and the stupidities of belief systems. So we shut out the intuitive part of, it, or shut it down. It's I don't really know. I don't want to know that. I'm into believing it's all by faith. Don't 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 make me know. And even the last, I think one of the last of the prophets of the Hebrew scriptures say. They will all know me. They won't need teachers because they will all know me. It doesn't say believe me or believe in me. I don't have to believe what I know. I just know what I believe. Yeah. Well so I'm I'm evolving into the, the knowledge or the science of the con- science of consciousness, That's this whole consciousness movement is about knowing and and inquiry. How can you quest for God and not question God
1: Mhm yeah absolutely
0: there there's a request and an inquest and a conquest that uh how can you conquer it if you don't question it mm-hmm. and so it's okay to question it's okay to query it's okay to ask so that you can better know
2: mhm,
1: yeah. I, I agree, man. I, I I really appreciate your your wisdom and and your sensitivity to it as well. And I want to thank you so much for for being on my podcast and and being such a a person of influence. You know, I, I view you as someone who um, knew that there were going to be shots fired and and went into the fray anyway. And so I, I just so deeply appreciate your courage in that.
0: Well, thank you. I knew the shots would be fired I wouldn't I would I was surprised by some of the bombs that exploded. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've
0: been shot with a with a twenty what do they call it? A 20 22 caliber or something like that, a little small gun. Shot literally the bullet went in in my back and through my finger. But these bazookas and the stuff they've been throwing <laughs> that let me know how strong I really am. And Uh, Let me close with this thing People said Doc You were at your peak You um, What's the What's the actor I said Came here Jonathan Um, uh, Michael J. Fox Yes Came came to Tulsa And he said Bishop I admire you so greatly." I said well My favorite movie with you Was Doc Holliday He said oh my god Everybody tells me that He said but you know what When I did Doc Holliday I was making more money Than I'd ever made I just got married My wife was pregnant I was at the peak of my game but that's when I learned I had Parkinson's disease. He said, I didn't ask for Parkinson's. I didn't choose Parkinson's. Parkinson's chose me. Mm-hmm. And I was at the peak. He said, but you, Bishop, what I, what I admire about you, he actually came to Tulsa for two days with me, is because you were at the peak and you walked away from your pride. And I let him finish what he was saying. And then when he finished, I "With all due respect. Thank you for what you said. I didn't walk away. I was called away. I was summoned. And I didn't realize... What I was walking away from because I was so intrigued with what I was walking toward. I was on a high place, but I looked up and I saw a higher peak and I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew I needed to be there. And if I could have leapt from one peak to another higher peak, I would have, but I couldn't. I had to descend back down into the valley, into the darkness. But I saw more flowers there than you see in the, you know, above the timberline. So, but I came down and I'm climbing back up that mountain because I see something that my colleagues and my detractors didn't see. And I was more intrigued with where I was going than where I had been. So, you know, I get a lot of compliments for, for um, um, you know, withstanding the, the judgment. But I was so attracted by this other thing. And I'm still learning what that is. And you guys are part of it. It's so intriguing. It's so fascinating. It's so... Uh, fulfilling and interesting and engaging and enhancing. And I you know, I spoke in Tonathan Hop and John. I mean I felt God and still feel God and I know transcendence and I know the Holy Ghost. I feel it now when I'm talking to you. But I there's something that's carrying me to this next level and it's so powerful and so pivotal and so so prophetic that I'm I'm more attracted to it than distracted by the past and the hurt and the loss and lack Hmm. of things it does get better
1: brilliant well thank you so much for coming on man i this has been just an absolute honor and uh thank you so much for being a part of this i appreciate it
0: well thanks for daring to to be you daring to do you and daring enough to bring on a card carrying heritage i respect you (laughs) (laughs) i honor you both I, I love you. I believe in you, and you guys are are cultural creatives. You're trendsetters and thought leaders. So please stay with it. I don't care what kind of adversities you go through. You will last through them. Stay where you are. Don't go back. They're coming to us. We're not going to go back to them. We don't have to. We're not supposed to. We don't have the ability to. Yes. Wow. It's powerful.
1: Very good. Well, She's okay, a blessing, brothers. I'm going to uh stay on the line just for a minute. I'm going to close this out and talk to you guys just for a second afterwards, okay? So just hang on for okay. one second. All right, everybody. I'll catch you on the other side of the music. Hey, guys. Thanks so much, man, for hanging out with me on the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you just loved uh Carlton Pearson and... um this was a this was a great conversation, and and all of them have been really for me another step in the process of my own personal faith evolution. You know, evolving, expanding. Um, it's difficult, man. It, it, it's hard. It's uh, like uh, Bishop Pearson said. It's sometimes it's intimidating. But finding that thing that I think really resonates. With your soul, um, that's not an easy thing to do. But but I do think it's necessary. I do think it's critical. I think it is the path to life. Uh, And you're not going to agree with everybody, not even the experts. You may find some things that Carlton Pearson said that really you know, they, they did resonate with you. And then you may find some other things that you think, you know, I don't, I don't think that I agree with that or, or that's not where I'm at. And, you know, I, I found that to be fine. And one of the things that has troubled me so much through, um, I guess, this journey is the, the prison of conformity, which is huge uh, within the, christian conversation right this is truth of course you have the the baptists have their truth the pentecostals have their truth the methodists have their truth the calvinists certainly have their truth um all these different variations that are more true than what you believe to be true and and that's not confined just to christianity Uh, every religion has that so I would encourage you to, in a lot of ways, man, become your own prophet. You know, um, become your own mystic. One of the things that, that um, I, I loved is uh, he said, the mystics are the heretics. And I think that that's true because those are the individuals who are able to say, I know what conformity has always said. I know what religion has always said, but at the same time, I have my own ideas about who God is and what he looks like and, and the way that he responds or interacts with the world around him. And that which, you know, really resonates deep within my own being at some point, I have to honor that truth. And so you might be thinking, well, Craig, I mean, lots of people are wrong about God and that's right. Lots of people are wrong about God. And there's probably things that you think right now that are wrong about God. But as long as you pursue on the path of pursuing truth, as long as you continue on the path of pursuing the heart of God and, and, and accepting the love of God as you continue to learn to love God, This ever unfolding path, I think that leads us to truth. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about I want to be able to stand before God with a pure conscience. I want to be able to stand before God saying, you know, I followed my conviction um, with as much passion as I could. And sometimes perhaps that means living dangerously. But you have to know that all the revolutionaries of the past, whether it's Martin Luther or John Calvin, um, the Apostle Paul, Peter, Jesus himself, all of these stood in the face of tradition, the current conventional wisdom, and said parts of this are true. Parts of this are false. And here is what my heart speaks. We want to scorn that, and I, I, I don't know where that came in. You know, it's interesting because the Jewish culture has um, the concept of Midrash, right? Where you have what the Bible says, and then you have the interpretation of that. And some one individual's interpretation may... Uh, uh, very wildly from another person's interpretation, but both are honored. Yeah, you might say, I don't think that's true. You know, <laughs> I think you're way off, man, but I honor it. We lost that somewhere in Christianity, and I think that that's a dark age. I think that that's a Roman thing, right? A Constantine thing. Um, because it doesn't appear to me that Jesus... Desired for us to just be repositories of someone else's doctrine and then regurgitate that into another repository of doctrine who then regurgit I, I don't think that that's the process um, I think that the process is deeper than that. I think that the process is more mysterious than that. I think that the, that the process is following the own internal conviction within your own heart, the own, your own intuition, your own knowing. And, and that's not always an easy thing to do. And by the way, you can cut out of this podcast anytime you want, right? This is, the podcast is over. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just talking to you guys right now, man. One of the difficult things for me, man, has been to follow my own conviction, to follow my own internal knowing. Now, I always do it seemingly or half-heartedly, partially. But it's still a scary thing, man. I don't know. I'm in this strange place, you know, of not wanting to deny truth and also not wanting to shun truth. For most of us, truth comes in the form of a book and we never hear the voice of God. For most of us, truth comes in a series of ideologies, a written and formatted list of doctrines. And we never hear the voice of God. We never have an interaction. We never become a mystic. We never step into the quote-unquote throne room. Or another religion might call it nirvana or enlightenment. We, we never get there because we're shackled by somebody else's idea of who God is whether it's John Calvin whether it's Martin Luther or whether it's you know pick your pick your poison man you got to learn to become your own prophet you have to learn to follow What, what the Christian faith would call the Holy Spirit. You know, what's interesting is the scripture says you have no need of a teacher, right? The Holy Spirit will teach you everything that you need to know. How many of us hang on that verse? How many of us are following that verse? No, we're not, are we? We're buying another study Bible. We're buying another, you know, whatever. Listening to another guy on TV, whatever. And some of you, I know you're, you're being called into the bold process of becoming your own prophet. You're being called into the bold process of being a mystic, a sojourner, right? Um, so I don't know, man, maybe this is for you or maybe it's craziness, maybe it's a late night conversation, right? Where, where some of the words make sense and some of them don't. Uh Maybe it's a beckoning to your time, man. Maybe it's initiation to your path, your searching. Anyway, man, um, there's just something about this conversation that that, uh, makes me just want to continue it. You know, there's something about the conversation that just makes me want to ramble on. And, and let the words spill out. Let the thoughts spill out, with all the without all the the theology lining up like dominoes. Without being afraid that I'm going to get that stupid email. Ah, what are you now? What are you? You know. Anyway, man, thanks for listening, guys. So glad you're here, man continue to hang out, continue to listen, continue to have the conversation. Done.